Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your well, hello, Power Partners. We are happy that you have joined us once again this week on our informational playground of Star Style, be the star you are. Brought to the airwaves under the species of the 501c3 award-winning charity, be the star you are. We are your hosts. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And you're listening to us live, coming to you from the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We strive to seed, stimulate, and support space for positive, meaningful conversations. And instead of waiting for something better to happen, we encourage you to create it. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity, honored as a top nonprofit by GuideStar, as well as great nonprofits. And this is from one of my all-time heroes, President Abraham Lincoln. Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. And that (laughs) leads in a bit today to what our show is going to be about. We really do have a Power Pack show, and today's program could save your life and, of course, your sanity, because is the arrival of Ebola in America the result of a love story, or could it possibly be a government conspiracy? Best-selling author and Canadian physician Peter Clement will join us in segment two with his novel, The Darkness Drops. That's a cautionary tale of suspense and, from my opinion, terror. So... You want to pull up a chair and tune in for the darkness drops. Are you demoralized by the clutter in your home? Is it time to purge and stop all that hoarding? I'm going to help you feel a little bit lighter with some tips on getting rid of what you don't need in segment three. But right now, if you are dead tired, how do you still perform at your peak? So Heather in Health Matters is going to power up your brain and your body with some energy boosting Thoughts and ideas. 
So, you know, it seems like, especially this week, there's just so much going on. How, Heather, do we, you know, power up our brains? What can we do to, um, to fake the awake, as I like to say? Yeah, I love that. I think that's super cute. Well, of course, when it gets to it, sleep, and I am one of those that I really... Uh, can feel the difference of when I've had a good night and versus when I've not. And I usually run on very few hours of sleep. And uh, recently one of my, my new goals, I always think any time is a new, you don't have to wait to the new year or a Monday or a new seven months, just any time it can be a random Wednesday uh, just to make a new goal. And so I recently said, you know, I'm going to try to get back to sleeping uh, more or, or going, you know, sending it like I put little notes around the house of be in bed by 1 a.m. I know that may sound late, people, but for me that's early. So, and I've been doing that, and just uh, last night I, I didn't get enough sleep. I stayed up too late, and I can completely feel the difference in my body. They have, oh, my goodness, trying to stay away. So these little tips were super helpful today. And even, you know, uh, just kind of getting into it of observing um, what other people's things are. So um, one thing to say is just the National Sleep Foundation actually spent, uh, said, especially since coming from a woman's perspective, um, that about 70% of women wake up um, multiple times a month feeling exhausted. And who'd say life is exhausting? We There's very few times, you know, we, we want to just sleep a little bit more. Um, but there's so many things that a lot of times we do these kind of quick fixes um, that people think, you know, a, a quick, uh, you know, a cold shower or, or you know, a big cup of coffee. And, you know, some people even think, you know, turn to nicotine and smoking, which we could get on another tangent of how that's not healthy. But really to kind of kick it up, these, these quick fixes, um, you know, just sort of to try to get you back in the game, faking it. One, as you just said, about first starting off with eating a full protein uh, filled breakfast. A lot of times people want to just yeah, reach for something either sugar filled or coffee, you know, if you're feeling just coffee. But the big thing a lot of times, you know, those big donuts or muffins, um, though they may be filled with carbs uh, that can kind of, you know, boost your energy, it's going to spike first thing in the morning, spike your sugar levels to an insane amount. And as we know, then people, you get that mid morning crash. And um, a false promise, too, as we've done shows on it before, of a lot of things that may be labeled as healthy, unless you're eating, you know, a piece of fresh fruit, uh, that a lot of fruit juices or smoothies even, um, fruit smoothies have a lot of sugars in them, even natural sugars. So, again, you're going to have that mid-morning crash. You're not going to be fulfilled. It's going to give you uh, instant energy and then a big slump after. So, Heather, do you have any idea why when people wake up in the morning you do have sort of a sweet tooth? I just think that so so often, you know, it's like you want people to eat French toast or they eat pancakes with syrup or those uh, sweet rolls or, you know, it's so interesting how – it's just easy. Maybe is it, is it because it's so easy to put sugary things in or it just gives you that quick boost? Well, no, so um, the big thing is when um, saying that you've got a lot of night of sleep, that um, saying if you've gotten anywhere from six, let's just say six to eight hours, that's six to eight hours that your body was not consuming anything, though you're burning calories tonight. So that's why some people, you know, some people wake up kind of not thirsty or you wake up in the morning and you're hungry, you're ready to eat because your body though it's been in, um, you know, a stagnant state all night, it's been burning calories. It's been, you know, you've been dreaming, and you wake up and you're hungry. You haven't, you haven't eaten anything yet. And a lot of times um, what happens most of the time when people go throughout the day without eating, 
Um, that's why people tend to binge eat or reach for something sugary. They want a candy bar um, because your blood sugar levels have dropped. They're so out of whack, and your body craves what it needs. It's not regulated properly. So when um, in the morning when you get that early morning thing, if you're hungry, um, but a lot of times people will crave something sweet because that's their body, that your, your sugar levels are not correctly regulated at the moment. They're really out of whack. They're at a low level. Um, but a lot of times people make that mistake of then reaching for something sugary and then throughout the day, that's why they're spiked. That's why then people tend to, throughout the day, eat unhealthily um, because they've started, started, they've you know, salivated that sweet tooth early on in the day. But by starting with something that has more protein in it, and for people who say, you know, God, I can't have a full meal, if you can even just have, the, you know, they make some that are made for weight loss or made for muscle gain, please just have um, high protein in them. You can make a protein sometimes. They're, they're super healthy. A lot of times you can take a scoop of a protein powder and put either milk or, or water, whatever you prefer, and if you have, you know, if you're one of those people that can stomach a breakfast and it's more healthy, uh, a great thing to do um, is leftovers. If you have vegetables and um, a high-protein things such as fish or chicken, actually one of my co-teachers today, um, we taught at 10 a.m. and um, I come out after, like after she after she had taken my class and she was going to be teaching next, and she was sitting there eating broccoli and chicken. And I thought at first I thought, wow, that is so bizarre. How is she eating that this early in the morning? And then I realized, wow, she's the smartest woman. That is why she is so lean and so fit because she really is regulating her body. She's having something high protein in the morning, and then she's salivated throughout the day. She feels full and you know, but not to that level. And she's eating the correct foods. So we just have to change our way. We have to change our way of thinking and looking at food, it sounds like. Completely. And and that's not to go against also seeing those quick fishes as that fixes is that java, that cup of coffee in the morning um, can really be a big fix. But however, why people, again, kind of get that slump is they go for the mochas, the lattes, the sugary filled uh, things, you know, pumpkin spice, all these things that have more calories, more sugar. Sugar is the main thing of it. Just a little, an eight ounce of it, and be cautious of it because I want to say is I'm someone, I used to be the biggest coffee fiend as well as tea, and now we've, again, we've done shows on two of just starting the morning. A great thing, too, is just starting the morning with a cup of either ice-cold water with lemon or hot water with lemon. The ice-cold water is going to refresh you, wake you up, but the hot water as well is going to start to get your digestive system moving, um, and it will make you feel fuller, so you're not going to instantly feel that, that sugary craving, and it's going to get all the other plumbing stuff going. Um, and let's say that tea, sometimes for me in the morning, I will, I'll think, oh, God, I need, uh, today's one of those days. I need coffee, and I'll make out, I'll have it brewing, and before I know it, just the smell of it, it, like, wakes me up, and I don't have any desire to have it, because for me, I am one of those people, if drinking coffee first thing in the morning, especially if it's going to tea, I do get jittery, I do get anxious, because I don't have it all the time, and that's to be cautious, too, of teas. I actually made this mistake recently. Of I had I thought oh coffee will make me too jittery so I had green tea though it was called gunpowder green tea I should have been warned I was I I'm already someone who has a lot of energy once they're getting going I could not stop talk I was just a million miles an hour and I I realized it when I was when I was teaching thinking oh my gosh I need to slow my roll here I could not believe it and it wasn't it wasn't good energy. It was just this like, oh my God, my heartbeat is beating out of my chest. So yeah, it was just pocket. swift. It was fast energy. Yes. Yeah. So I've heard about energy. boosting, boosting vitamin B. How do we do that? 
Well, many things again. I'm always a big thing with supplements, but vitamin B is, you know, it's it's an essential vitamin, and you can get it from various fruits and vegetables, but to increase it, you can take a multi-complex um, that sometimes they make them even just in gummies. I've talked before about how, how those horse pills just don't really get it, but a big thing too, folic acid, I've talked, it's great for women's health. It helps with your hair and your nails and magnesium and well. That's going to give you that extra energy. Um, a lot of times B12, you'll hear that people get B12 injections, those for energy. Um, all B things, the main things that B, what it does for you is it helps you oxygenize more efficiently. It's going to get oxygen into your blood, um, into your body, which is actually another thing of just oxygen in general. If you ever find yourself late at night with things or early in the morning when you're yawning, that's your body's natural way of trying to keep you awake. It's your body is sending a yawn is to send more oxygen to your brain. So a big thing, too, is stand up, stretch, and take big breaths. If you ever do that, sometimes it really helps. It really gets your blood flowing. So, And that's actually another thing, too. Stand up, stretch. When you're sitting, that restricts your blood flow. Um, that's, and a lot of times people are slumped over. We've become this society that we're looking at our phones, we're looking at our computers, and our bodies isn't getting um, you know, correct oxygen flowing to it. So every so often, and the first thing, too, when you get out of bed, Take that moment. Take a big yawn. Take a big stretch. Let that body, let um, oxygen start flowing through your body. Also, too, if you wake up aches and pains and sores, I know I do all the time, self-massages. I must know nothing ever beats someone else giving a massage. And though uh, doing a self-massage is a quick fix, I still uh, I still find myself um, unsatisfied because I want more. But a great thing to do is to go right into the main pressure points. So a big thing, too, we've talked about before with reflexology. Um, you know, there's sort of the, the woo-woo science behind it of, you know, the um, sort of homeopathic way. But, hey, it's a massage and it feels amazing. But that you have so many pressure points within your feet. And a lot of times, you know, at the end of the day, your feet are so sore. And they, the belief is that, you know, these various pressure points are connected to various parts of your body um, ailments. So a big thing, too, is go right into the carpal of your foot. If you think of your how your hands are, um, where you have carpals, metacarpals, and phalanges, that big kind of cushiony part, um, hence where, which causes carpal tunnel, that's the same on your foot. It's right underneath the arch, the under arch of your feet. Give yourself some pressure point massages. You'll be surprised of how intense it can feel, but how awakening that can be. Also rubbing into your head. Um, if you're somebody feeling you just can't do it yourself, they make these little, even taking a hairbrush and taking your hairbrush to it, it will stimulate your body, kind of getting blood flowing. When your blood's flowing and your oxygen flowing, that's going to wake you up. Same thing, too, of just having music get stuff going. I know I always, I'm someone, it's a rarity, I just kind of go crazy with silence. I have to have music. And if you want to get yourself going in the movie in the morning, put on some preppy, peppy kind of music. Something that's going to get you going. I know I, sometimes I love the smooth jazz and I love those songs that make it feel so good to feel so sad. But when you need that energy boost, Put on some old-time rock and roll. Put on something that's going to, you know, some Lady Gaga, something that's going to get you moving, going to get you singing, um, and that's going to wake you up. These little quick fixes of um, wake-up things, of just boosting your heart rate up, um, you know, every sense is connected with it. You want something that's going to smell good, something that's going to taste good, and something that's going to, again, get you awake. Little sounds, having, um, that actually wants to let me backtrack 
speaking of well, sound. Well, those are all amazing tips to wake us up. We're almost out of time. Oh, my goodness. So, as, always, as always. On and on. <laughs> so I know, I know. So let's wrap it up with uh, what, you know, the best way to uh, fake awake and be healthy every day. Well, fake awake, my things, my truly, my fake awake fix for today, you did not get asleep, who knows what you were doing last night, is one, invest in some fantastic eye cream, trust me, I live on it all the time, to hide those puppy wrinkles. Keep frozen spoons, keep a pair of uh, silver spoons in your refrigerator to put on any puffy eyes. Even just getting a a vanilla or coffee-scented candle if you don't want to drink coffee in the morning, just having that aroma Put on some good music, eat some protein, and get your day going with either some ice-cold water with lemon or hot water. Sounds like a plan. Well, that's Health Matters for today. And this will give you plenty of energy and you can boost your morale. So when we're going to come back from break, I think it's going to be time for you to put on your hazmat suit. Because in our next segment, we are going to be speaking to award-winning author Peter Clement about his prophetic thriller, The Darkness Drops. Could a worldwide pandemic end civilization as we know it? Or are there some heroes out there who are going to risk their lives to save ours? You're going to have to wait and find out after this break. So don't go away. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And I will be right back with Peter Clement. Hang on. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. Be the star you are, you are the star. Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in the light that shines. Well, my sincerest appreciation for staying with us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, coming to you live on the Voice American Network, the Empowerment Channel. And you're going to be very happy that you are listening to this segment. Well, since 1998, I have had the privilege of interviewing over 2,000 guests on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. But it's a book by one author that has always haunted me, and now that book is available in paperback exactly at the time that it's needed. It's the time that the Ebola virus is killing thousands. The book of which I speak is The Darkness Drops, 
And the author is a best-selling author and a Canadian physician, Peter Clement. Is the premise of the darkness drops becoming a global reality? Well, let's find out as we welcome Peter to the show. Hello, Peter. I am so happy to have you on the program. I'm glad to be here, Cynthia, and I'm thanking you for this opportunity. Well, you know, it's it's really uncanny how the print version here of the drop, uh, the darkness drops, has been published right at the moment that we have no idea what's happening with Ebola, and it is a very frightening uh, experience. And during our last interview a couple of years ago, I had asked you, could the premise? of the darkness drops really happen. And back then you said, you know, that everything in this novel either already existed or is in the process of coming into fruition or was theoretically possible. But too much of what had been hypothetical then has actually happened in this Ebola outbreak. Are we on the eve of destruction? Um, Well, it certainly um, has caused a lot of alarm. And I must say that, you know, when I did the outline for The Darkness Drops, um, I first wanted to tell the story of of three uh, individuals. And the context of that, I wanted to be how hubris and arrogance and naivete uh, could have unintended but uh, catastrophic consequences um, in the world of science. I also wanted to... um, uh, set events around a catastrophic event, um, which uh, was the uh, presence of uh, a very serious disease and syndrome that uh, seemed to be unknown and untreatable. And um, I wanted to uh, portray how what I would call medical noir villains um, further complicated the matter by trying to game the situation for profit in a rather ruthless and brutal way, and also wanted to introduce the ways in which um, the heart-having reason that reason knows not um, um, can cause the uh, so-called apparent practice of science and medicine to become more subjective and maybe to be... um, uh, less reasonable than we all are, are used to it, uh, it being. And this in particular being when um, love plays a role in how uh, even scientists and doctors behave and how the, uh, these factors can um, further complicate how we might respond to, to this sort of ordeal. And that would be an outline of the darkness drops, but it probably could also be an outline for the current narrative that's going on with Ebola. It, you know, it's amazingly similar, and this is why I reached out to you, because this book, The Dro- Darkness Drop, I have, I, it really does haunt me. I think about it all the time. And so, you know, you can't help but wonder if something like SARS or bird flu or this Ebola could become pandemics and are they created by governments or some kind of bureaucracy or is it big pharma? Is it a biological warfare that we don't know anything about? And, and what do we do to counter 
active. So it was, it just seemed uncanny to me that the darkness drops and Ebola have so many similarities, including the heroics of physicians like your character, Dr. Terry Ryder. So talk to us a, a little bit about the role of the medical professionals and physicians and doctors, emergency room people, because you yourself have many years, a couple of decades of not only being a physician, but uh, an emergency room physician and you're certified in family medicine and uh, special special competence, emergency medicine, etc., what do you see as similarities with Dr. Terry Ryder from The Darkness Drops to what's happening with the medical profession here? Well, I mean, first of all, um, the good news is that there are a lot of people like Terry Ryder, um, and they're the ones that we need to listen to. These are the people of science who know how to win against these kind of uh, outbreaks. Uh, the um, Médecins Sans Frontières, the uh, 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 Doctors Without Borders, um, have been doing an incredible job in West Africa in dealing with this and dealing with this in a in a in a competent and um, generally safe way. And um, I would um, say that they are really the voices of reason that we need. Um, it's been very disturbing about how some um, interventions by um, governors of certain states have made some rules which are not uh, according to the advice of the people who are actually fighting this battle uh, in that they may actually prevent the kind of people we need going over there and taking the fight to the source of, of this infection. Um, and so this, um, I think, is, uh, um, is, a, you know, is a problem, but I think science is winning. Um, I think the recent ruling on um, the young, uh, magnificent nurse uh, Hickox, who actually stood up to these rulings and is obeying the sensible follow-up to having returned from treating patients in an Ebola area, and that the kind of rules that were rather draconian and might prevent us from sending people, or at least might be a disincentive for good people going over to help uh, eradicate this, um, um, would uh, be an impediment to that. So I think science is winning, and I think science is working. Um, I think we also have to keep a sense of proportion here that these... Um, uh, all this alarm is about four Ebola cases in the country of 300 million people. Three of them are recovered or recovering, and the one who died had been turned away from the hospital where he presented himself, and this is tragic. But I think it also um, is, though it's, people have reason to be frightened and to be alarmed, I think also it, recall, you know, it, it requires that we be reasonable and 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 do what's in our best interest according to medical evidence. Um, so it's a it, it, it's a it's a, a scary situation. But you know the good news is is that um, there are people who know how to know how to deal with it. Well, Those are know, the ones find, we want to listen to. Yeah, and you know you make such a good point of the importance of listening 
to the medical professionals and the scientific community because those are the people that know how to deal with it. They are the ones that, you know, as you say, doctors who do hopeless, they do it. You know, they know how to to deal with it. What do you think is the push away from government officials like the governors of which you of whom you speak you know why is it that the bureaucrats are not listening to what the medical establishment and the scientific um, establishment is saying on how we deal with these kinds of frightening viruses or potential pandemics is there do you think that there is some kind of underlying um, I hate to say it, I don't want to use the word conspiracy, but is there something that we don't know? <laughs> you know, is there something that the general well, public doesn't know? Well, I would say that in Ebola, in this situation, I think it's a straight-up set of, uh, a straight-up infection scenario. They know patient zero, a, a child, and they can trace it from there. Um, I don't think there is any, I, I think these conspiracy theories, theories that are, you know, that you know, can be going around about this, are really a distraction from the the kind of uh, uh, petty criminality that might be uh, affecting the situation. Um, I talk about uh, medical noir villains. Um, there were the officials that were sitting on container loads of personal protective equipment um, waiting for taxes and duties, which they saw as their cut from all the aid money that had been donated. And these were held up for months and and still seemed to be kind of going through some regulatory nightmare. Uh, there was also the local um, um, officials on the ground who were taking bribes and letting people keep the bodies of the dead and bury them in traditional ways, which, you know, is understandable. But the corpse of someone who has died from Ebola is the most infective uh, stage of the disease. And this practically guarantees that uh, the infection will continue. So um, these are unfortunate realities that occurred. And I'm, I'm, um, and, and I, but, but as far as there being some kind of uber evil uh, for one thing, that would require some kind of uber competence, and I don't think we've really seen that on the ground. <laughs> right, right. I like that. I think that's a great analogy that it would have to have the uber competence to have the uber evil. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that, so that said, in this situation, I think we're seeing what we're seeing. Um, also, I, I just think um, what it does drive home, though, and which is also what was portrayed in the darkness drops, it doesn't take much to derail a healthcare system. Um, right. And 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 as I said, all the alarm in in uh, uh, in, in North America now is for four cases. Um, you know, and it does beg the question: What would happen if this really were something that was spreading worldwide? And how would we handle it? And that was the scenario that I I developed in the darkness drop. So I think the Ebola story is like a uh, you know it, it, it's a a bit of a. Uh, of a prologue or a taste of what might be in store. Um, but the, the disturbing thing is, is that what might be in store, that, you know, events that were hypothetical when we talked a few years ago um, are now a reality which might be setting the stage for a darkness drops type of scenario. Well, it um, feels to me like the darkness, this is the setting the stage. I mean, and it seems like the main actor may have already 
come center stage. We're speaking with Peter Clement. He is the author of The Darkness Drops, uh, which is really about a a pandemic that sweeps the world, uh, but it is based in so many facts. And the thing that I love about The Darkness Drops is how it really is the doctors and the medical community and the science that saves the day. Now, in the darkness drops, Peter, there's always a they. And in, in the darkness drops, the, the illness, you call it the shakes, which is, you know, that seemed just a, it was a frightening, frightening thing. But, you know, when I think about the they, there is always a they somewhere. You know, like they said, you have to do this, or they said, we're going to stop you. Do you, who are the they? Is it governments? Do you think that there's just so many, you know, there's just so much interfriction between, you know, different global entities that how would we deal with a global health issue? I, I find that, you know, really challenging to even wrap my head around. Well, this is, I mean, this has been another reality that, you know, was, um, uh, you know, made evident uh, with the Ebola is how you have these hugely cumbersome bureaucracies that are are meant to uh, respond to these kind of emergencies, and it is very difficult for them to get up to speed. Uh, they've been tested with SARS. They've been tested with the H1N1 uh, episode. Um, Luckily, that was a, a, a wuss of a virus, it turned out, even though, you know, it was very alarming because it seemed to affect young people, healthy people, and uh, uh, and I, I think a pretty good job was done with that. Um, but the they, um, I, you know, I, I think, yes, there are levels of government that can be less than helpful. Um, there's also sometimes there can be behavior which is very puzzling. Um, one of the ways that I think the stage may be being set for something even more catastrophic is, for instance, uh, the argument a few years ago where they put the uh, genetic sequence of uh, modified influenza virus on the Internet under the, the um, purpose of encouraging research towards antidotes. And it, it it waived the risk, which I think is very real, that um, um, there may be rogue scientists in various regimes that could take this and use it for nefarious purposes. Um, you know, we need a license to drive a car, own a gun, fly an airplane. Uh, why wouldn't it be? You know, this knowledge be limited to people that are actually working in registered, uh, legit level four viral labs. But well, just putting and as, it out as there, know, I, I found incredibly naive. I, f- I find that incredibly disturbing um, uh, as well because there, you know, with the internet, everything is possible. And as we know, as there are so many wonderful scientific minds, there are the Frankenstein's out there. And there are. There are the, there are the people out there that really do wish harm and. I mean, we saw that in the darkness drops. I mean, this was all alluded to with, with all the, you know, the, all the different villains, et cetera, that are in that. So how do we protect those kinds of scientific secrets? I mean, nobody should have that kind of information outside of a must know. You know, if you're in that community, then you need and you're working on it. But just to be able to get into anybody's hands, that becomes criminal. 
Well, it's, it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's criminal. I think, I think it's, uh, naive. I think it's arrogant. Um, you know, and, and all these are the, the kind of hubris that can, I, I think, lead to these terrible, terrible consequences. Um, I do think it, it's, you know, learning to listen to the people that are, are going to speak, uh, what will be most useful and, and, and protect us the most. I mean, I think, for instance, in the Ebola, scare with all the uh, difficulties we're having, I think there is good news that um, there are vaccines that are, are, are coming into play, which will basically employ antibodies against the Ebola virus. The fact that those who survive Ebola um, acquire immunity to the disease through their own antibody response means it's pretty certain that we are going to have vaccines that use that same mechanism that will work. And um, you know, these, uh, there's been a lot of comment about how come it's taken this to kind of get them into production. And there's a lot of financial and economic reasons and big pharma, et cetera. But the reality is, is and I guess if there is a good news, uh, they will be start to be available uh, at the beginning of the year. And they say that within a year, they'll have a million doses and that will go on. And that will allow what is called a ring of fire strategy, where everyone around the Ebola outbreaks will be uh, vaccinated, and that will stop it. And then everybody going in and everybody coming out will be vaccinated, and then finally, you know, move, you know, uh, narrow it down, narrow it down. So I think, you know, success will be achieved eventually with this. But it is a scare just to see how hard it is to mount a response to these kind of events. Well, and and it's uh, also education, isn't it? I mean, because different countries have different cultural ways of doing things this is you were talking about burying the dead or you know how however they intern them you know so if we we have to step up and again it, it draws back to the medical heroes that I call I call them the medical heroes that have this knowledge to really say this is the way it has to be done exactly we, and we, you know we cannot to the Terry yeah. riders because they know these are the Terry riders of the world but are we listening? Are the governments listening? Because even once they do the ring of fire and we can control Ebola, just what I get when I read the darkness drops, you know, when you have the disease in there called shakes, is there could be a shakes out there. There could be the next thing. I mean, as you said, we already saw it with the H H1N1, the bird flu, SARS, so there's there's always going to be the next, you know, there could be the next one. So it's it kind of, is there a way to create an emergency system with the, you know, without arrogance, without uh, uh, naivete, you know? Is there a way to do it that doesn't overwhelm our systems uh, on a global level? Well, and I think it, it comes, I, I think part of it comes with the level of preparation. And, and to have preparation, you need to run scenarios. Um, I think there was a failure of imagination, you know, when the initial sort of response to uh, the Ebola outbreak, um, you know, especially in the West, was that, well, we, you know, we gown up and use masks, et cetera, et cetera, and, and this will be okay. Um, and uh, uh, believe me, I mean, I gowned up, you know, routinely for more familiar pathogens, uh, you know, for 20 years, but um, I did not want and would not want to be I tried to achieve the extra level and, and degree of protection at the bedside of my first Ebola patient. And one thing I think we should be doing is instead of 
you know, trying to slap returnees from the Ebola area who have successfully, you know, survived and treated patients, um, we should be putting them on YouTube and leading seminars that can be watched by workers that can actually give them the fine points of how do you safely put on the protective gear. What are the tips that kind of make it possible to kind of get that extra protection that is needed with such a virulent strain of uh, microbe and, um, and, and put it to use? Um, I, I think uh, one thing I've said jokingly, but I'm also partly serious, in terms of planning scenarios, um, use medical thriller writers. We've got the yes. imagination to make it real, but also to imagine how things can go wrong. Yes, um, you know, I completely agree with you, and I've said this before. I feel that the darkness drops that needs to be on Obama's desk, and he needs to read this. And, I'll you go know, for that, and, sure. Yes, and, other, and, and I, we really, really have to make that happen. And it needs to be on the desk of other leaders of the countries around the world because you're absolutely right. With your, first of all, you and many other medical thriller writers, you have the background in medicine and in science and in treating these kinds of really wild, scary, panic driven uh, illnesses where, you know, we really have to, uh, suit up or we, we have to do something to save the world. But I think the average politician doesn't have that imagination. And, I don't you know, think you, they know what can go wrong. Right. You do. have the science and the imagination. Like yeah. I've said about you is I call you the Grisham of medical thrillers because I just think that the way you write, Peter, is amazing. And I want to give out your website just right now. It's PeterClementBooks.com. PeterClementBooks. Dot com And he just came out with a new thriller called Therapy, so you're going to want to check that one out too. But right, I, getting back to what we're talking about is that would be an amazing suggestion to get to our world leaders is employ the countenance of medical thriller writers with Peter Clement right there up at the top. <laughs> it would be my opinion. Uh, oh, so Cook, that you, you can fund the scenarios because... You know, I mean, I have two kids in the fire department, and they do, what do they they practice, practice, practice. So, you know, that's the way that you save lives is you Absolutely. run, As you, you run the worst you case scenarios, and that's how you right? get the moves before you're caught. You know, and uh, and that has to happen on the level of individual hospitals. But it isn't that difficult if you get the leadership that comes down through. And it's the age of YouTube, for instance. We could draw on the experience of people over in West Africa. It should be not difficult. And, um, and that could at least help us in this one. Uh, whatever is the next one, and there always, you know, there's going to be a next one, um, maybe we need to have simulations that better prepare us. Well, and this is some, something that people can take away from reading The Darkness Drops, is your book or your novel, your thriller, is really optimistic because despite what transpires throughout the world, there is a happy ending. And what it says to me is that we can prevent and protect ourselves if we are prepared. And so it is going to be this practice and, pre and preparation in advance, as you're saying, with doctors, healthcare workers, government agencies, etc., in order to stop the spread of any kind of impending onslaught of, of horrible cases of any disease. Because 
Couldn't countries be using something like this as a biological warfare? Well, that's my worry. And believe me, um, I mean, the, the reality is that these uh, um, bioweapons uh, programs exist in existing nations. Um, the opening of the darkness drops is based on a real event where there was an anthrax leak from a bioweapons um, um, uh, uh, laboratory in Sverdlovsk in Russia. And I interviewed the doctors who witnessed that outbreak. Um, and you've got to wonder if Russia was doing it then, uh, what are they doing now? What are other nations doing now? Either uh, on the basis of trying to protect, get antidotes to these if they were ever released by, uh, by hostile regimes, or making their own weapons that they might even consider using. I mean, uh, um, I, we talked last time that the biological weapon is the most serious of all. It's, it's exponential spread, as we've seen with Ebola. I'm not suggesting this is a, a weapon, but it it uh, it shows the degree to which these things just don't have parameters. They keep going and going and in, increasing in large numbers, unlike uh, horrible as they would be, a, a nuclear weapon or a chemical weapon. That those have to obey the laws of science, and it, it, they're they're limited. But a uh, biological agent can just sweep out of control and uh, be very difficult to meet. So I think we have to assume that these programs exist. Um, we also have to assume that leaks can occur, so there can even be accidental releases. And uh, I think we have to look at that on that scale and do our planning accordingly. And we have to have faith in the Dr. Terry writers of the world. And yes, they're the guys to kind of listen to. They're the guys to listen to. And they know how to win. They know how yeah, to win. They know exactly. I was just going to say that. They know how to win. They definitely know how to win. And, you know, one last thing, because the darkness drops isn't just about fighting this threat that happens through the world. It's also a love story. And that also, to me, uh, says that, very often, something that could cause panic can actually start with a love story. Well, that's what struck me, too. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in The Darkness Drops that, you know, with science and politics and, and just, you know, the, uh, and the villains. But uh, Ebola came to America as part of a love story. And See? of a man <laughs> who came here to find his wife that he had been separated from for 20 years and see his son. And... Um, it it I mean who would have predicted that, except maybe a thriller writer. But right. uh, um, because it, it's so it's the unexpected and, and the human dimension that, um, as I said, the heart has reason that reason knows not, and uh, um, you have to be prepared for when these things happen. And and yet it's also what makes life and fiction very interesting. Well, you have written an absolutely stellar thriller. It, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. I highly recommend this book to everyone, and especially we want to get this to our government officials so that this will give them some, uh, some power and some information about how they could really bring thriller writers on to their prevention team because who better? So Peter Clement is the author. It's called The Darkness Drops. You really want a copy. You go to peterclementbooks.com. Of course, it's available online on all the online places, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Go into your bookstore. If it's not there, ask for it, and they'll order it for you. The Darkness Drops, Peter Clement. And we'll look forward, uh, Peter, to... uh, 
talking to you about your other new book, Therapy. That sounds like a, a good one as well. <laughs> uh, totally I, different, I, but uh, yes, it's, it's uh, uh, again, I hope readers can find that as well. It's a short story. It's a sort of a, uh, a quick read, but... Uh, I think uh, I think they'll enjoy it, or they'll certainly be well, moved by obviously it. Obviously, from being in emergency rooms and treating patients for over twenty years, you must have lots and lots of stories and lots of of hypotheticals that probably happened that you could actually put out into the future to help cure other, you know, diseases. Hopefully, stop a pandemic. So, I thank you, Peter, for coming on the show and sharing the similarities between the book, The Darkness Drops, and what we're going through right now with Ebola, as well as the fact that who knows if this is happening, if these kind of things just happen as a biological warfare, if they're just a, you know, a fluke of nature, if they're government-inspired, or if it's just from a love story that somehow you know went awry. So... Peter Clement, The Darkness Drops, peterclementbooks.com. Peter, thank you so much for being on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. It is such a pleasure, and I really do love The Darkness Drops. Well, thank you, Cynthia. It's been a pleasure talking to you again. Thank you. When we come back, we have just a little bit left on our show, and we are going to be talking about getting rid of the clutter because what happens if you do die? We hope the darkness drops doesn't drop right now, but we don't want to leave things undone for our children. So stay with me. I'm Cynthia Bryan. I'll be right back. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. Don't go away. The star you The star you are Light up the flame that burns Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be The Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. Be the star you are. Dot org. Be the lucky star you are. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryant, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are, you are. your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program star style be the star you are hosted by the passion purpose and possibility producer cynthia bryan now back to the power party find all you need in a light that shines 
Well, imagine the future. You are no longer here and your children are left behind and they have to deal with that enormous mess of yours. Now, let's hope that it wasn't the darkness drops and it wasn't something as bad as that. But if so, you may be demoralized by the clutter. So it's time to purge and to stop hoarding. And if you want to feel lighter, I have a few tips to clean out the clutter that are just going to set you free. You know, you want to ask yourself, are you the queen of clean or are you the king of clutter? And how you can, how can you begin to unload and declutter your life? Well, there are a few easy ways. So First of all, you know, decluttering has like a certain trajectory. You have to figure out what area makes you the craziest and then take a big, deep breath and decide that you're going to tunnel into those decades worth of, you know, of old stuff, whisking ancient phone bills and kitchen gadgets and put things in trash bags, etc. Because, you know, we don't need all of these things that just we keep holding on to thinking we're going to use them another day. So here are just a few tips on getting yourself organized. First of all, stick to routines. Put your things back each time you use them. For example, where you know, put your keys, your glasses, your wallet, your sunglasses, uh, your handbag, where you will pick it up each time. And then that way it's going to be there and you don't spend hours, minutes wasting uh, trying to find things. Second, clean out the place that drives you the most crazy first because that's your hot spot. And once you get that nice and clean, you're going to be motivated to continue on. And, you know, it may take a few hours to do one drawer. So don't think you're going to do it in a few minutes or even a day. But, you know, it's just take it and break it up into small portions. The next thing just in general to keep things organized is to keep similar things together. For example, you want to put all your tablecloths in one area, your light bulbs in another, batteries in another, vases on one shelf. If you have batteries in different drawers all over the house, then you're never going to know where to find them. You know, most houses have at least one junk drawer where you put things that you kind of don't know where else to put it. That's sort of where you'll have the scissors and a few nails and maybe the hammer and some tape. And one junk drawer is fine if you know that's where you're going to go to, but you don't want those everywhere. Now, once you start going through your clutter, you want to separate it into different piles. I suggest four piles. The pile is keep it, give it away, donate, or sell it. Now, that way you don't have to go through anything else later. Do not have a pile that is, you know, maybe. Because if you hate it, toss it. If you don't have a use for it, toss it or give it away. Now, the floor is not a storage option. You want to store in cabinets or suitcases, uh, filing cabinets, bookshelves to make room for living. And definitely important to make an infrastructure for papers uh, with folders and files. And that way, it's going to keep it really organized for you, and you're going to be able to find the things that you need. You know, I know some people are, are... hoard paper, you know, and you read the newspaper, you read a magazine, and you cut articles out, and then you stick it on a desk, you stick it on a counter, but you don't do anything with it. So there's no point in doing that unless you have a folder, and you're going to label it. Maybe it's going to be recipes, it's going to be travel ideas, it's going to be, you know, great hotels, or ways to save money, but organize it, and then file it, and do it alphabetically. Think about how it was when you used to go to a library when you were a kid and everything was organized. 
Now, how do you get rid of absolutely everything? So if you have family heirlooms, the one thing you might do is you may consider giving them to your children or other family members or friends for holiday and birthday gifts. And, of course, if something is really appreciated in value while you've owned it, such as artwork or a vintage sports uh, car or or it's some kind of treasure that you you really love and the recipient would owe some capital gains, you may want to wait until you're going to um, give this to the person when they in inherit it. You also don't want to just give junk to people so that they have to get rid of it. So if somebody has said that they like something, that's when you want to consider giving it to them. Now you can sell things beyond garage sales. There are consignment shops and that's a really big thing these days. So there are consignment shops, you know, um, for just about everything, furniture, clothing, electronics, books, And uh, for books, you can sell them. You can sell used books on different websites like Amazon or on Barnes & Noble. Or you can donate them to charities, just like Be The Star You Are will take some books. And that that way you're getting a tax write-off. Now, who do you call? Of course, you can call your kids to help you. They know your stuff. They may not want to help you do it, but of course it doesn't cost you anything usually to have them. Maybe you make them dinner or take them to dinner. You can hire a personal organizer. You're going to pay them, and they're going to usually charge somewhere around $85 an hour. You can take it to an estate liquidator. They can auction off your stuff, uh, and you could, but you could make more selling it on your own because they're going to take about 30 to 35% in proceeds. You could get a moving manager, and they can charge like $150 an hour. Or you can just get a junk hauler and they'll charge you, you know, how much ever the load is. But whatever you do, you definitely want to declutter and organize your life. You're going to feel so much better. You'll feel healthy and happy and you will feel free. Well, thanks for being great listeners and allowing me into your life every week. I want you to be tuned to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We want you to change your life and make your dreams come true and be aware of what's happening in our world. For info on Star Style Productions, visit StarStyleProductions.com. To make a donation to the charity, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And always remember, I want to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate you. And pick up a copy of the book until um, The Darkness Drops. It's The Darkness Drops by Peter Clement. And until next week when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Have a wonderful week and dream, create, inspire Make a difference and be healthy. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Be the star you are. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style. Be the star you are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. 
And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.